Father, come together as this community comes together tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the healing rain that you're pouring down.
There's a Bible verse that maybe some of you have heard before. It says that perfect love casts out all fear. The love of Christ compels us. Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ in Granbury and Hood County. Lord, in North Texas tonight, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. You're bringing us together as one. You're tearing down the walls that separate us, Lord. I would like to honor our special guest. Uh, Mayor Ricky Pratt is here. So good to have you, sir. Thank you so much for coming. Sheriff Roger Deeds and his wife are here. Thank you so much for coming. so many pastors in the room. If you're, if you're a pastor or leader of a ministry, could you just stand so we can just recognize you and praise the Lord. Thank you for representing the Lord and representing us. Especially honored to have so many members of the Perkins family here with us. And not only been a foundation to the African American community in this community for generations, but they are a pillar to the Granberry community, period. And so we're so honored to have you guys. Your roots go deep. And I say that coming because I'm a Granberry and by choice rather than birth. And so we're honored to have you guys here. Thank you for your encouragement to do this. And we offer you, Mr. Brown, the honor. So let's pray and honor the one who truly makes us one. Father in heaven, we ask you to put your hand on us. Thank you for Granbury, Texas. Thank you for this community. Thank you for your people here. Put your hand on us tonight and begin to move us in your will. Come and speak to our hearts and teach us. I thank you that you celebrate your people. We celebrate you, and we celebrate one another. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you make all nations one. We thank you for every ethnos, every ethnic group under the heaven, and what we share with each other, what we learn from each other, and the joy of becoming one. In Jesus' name, amen. I saw you just the other night, and I thought, hey, I, I know who that is. <laughs> so anyway, we are delighted to have Dion with us, and uh, we want to move right along, so I'm going to ask her to come and uh, give leadership to this service. Dion, we're so delighted that you're here. Thank you so much for such a warm Welcome. I am so pleased and so honored to, to serve you this evening. It is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I, as you mentioned, I am a news reporter, and I have been for more than 20 years now. So I earn a living telling stories and reporting the news. But tonight, I would just like to say first and foremost that the best news is that God is good. Amen? And um, they said to me that this is a casual atmosphere, so just uh, have my way and feel uh, as casual and informal as 
I'd like. So with that, I just thank you for, for welcoming me as your mistress of ceremonies. And as we begin this wonderful celebration this evening, I would like to just ask you to uh, have a warm welcome for our first song by Shannon Reynolds. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we are free. We are free from hurt. We are free from turmoil. We are free, but we have to believe it and receive it. Amen.
welcome our honorable mayor, Pratt, with her special presentation. Good evening, everybody. I do need to ring us in to where we get a bit of a local history feel on this. You know, we, we hear about what's going on. We appreciate the religious side of this. But I want to remind everybody that February is Black History Month. If it were not for that, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing right here. But we in Hood County also have some black history. In the 1980s, I met a gentleman. He was a black gentleman that worked at our local First National Bank downtown. His name was Mr. R.D. Edwards. Kind-hearted gentleman. In 1997, I learned that he had passed away and that there was a black cemetery just outside of town, just west between Toler and Granbury, that was covered with weeds. Had it not been for my friend Joe Perkins, I wouldn't have gotten involved in, in anything like this. This was my first step towards community spirit. And I appreciate you. He showed me what kind of state that cemetery was in. Weeds. This tall. I've got to tell you that the majority of the headstones out there at that cemetery are nothing more than rocks. Fieldstones that were etched by hand. Etched by hand as best as they could. They weren't the best spellers either. If you ever get a chance to check out Colony Cemetery, I, I encourage you to do so. It's a piece of history where the black masons and farm laborers of this community right here, they are the ones that built our historic town square. Most people don't know. Most people don't have a clue. These black masons went on to be a part of the Stephenville Masonic Lodge because they had to go there to create their own black Masonic Lodge. They weren't welcome here in our town. But I want you to understand that I know about the history and I hope all of you will carry forth this thought in your head that had it not been for them, we wouldn't have this historic town square that brings thousands of people annually to our city. At this time, I know it's a little bit late in our month. But I'd like to read an official proclamation. Whereas the month of February has been set aside in our country to celebrate and honor the contributions of the African Americans, past and present, to the United States, and whereas we must never forget that black history is American history. The achievements of African Americans have contributed to our nation's greatness 
And whereas the city of Granbury recognizes that the buildings on our historic downtown square were the result of workmanship by the black masons of our area, and whereas it is recognized that individuals among us today have played an important role in bringing awareness of black history in America, and whereas this is a time of annual celebration of the achievements and heritage of all African Americans throughout our society. Now, therefore, I, Ricky Pratt, Mayor of the City of Granbury, do hereby proclaim February 2012 as Black History Month and call upon the people of Granbury to join their fellow citizens across the United States in recognizing and participating in this special recognition. Thank you. for your passion, 
and to see people worship the one they are created to worship. Yeah. Your heart for this city and your work in our community are greatly appreciated.
are. You might be worried about standing too close to somebody and bumping into them. But if you need to, go ahead and push them over, man, crap. Tell them I need room. 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 I got fingers
you to live. I can't sit. I'm sorry. I got to tell you. That young lady was talking about how she tried to commit suicide. When I tell you I was a rich undone, when I tell you I was a sinner but saved by grace, I was sitting in church one day. See, it can happen anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. Satan got into my mind. And I had taken a bottle of pills. I was raised in the church. Granddaddy bishop. Uncles, bishops. Grandmother, state mother of the church of God in Christ. I was the state, state secretary. I represented a lot of people. But I sat there in that church and I allowed Satan to come in. The things that I was doing just wasn't right. Sitting in church just was not right. I took a bottle of pills. And the minister got up and he began to minister to us. And he was preaching the word of God. And I tell you, it pricked my heart. I went to the restroom. I just knew I was going to die because that full bottle of pills, it was going to kill me. But I heard the Spirit of God after listening to the Word. That Spirit of God, He pricked my heart and He said, I want you to live. And I know He has me here for a reason. I may not be the best singer, I may not be able to preach the Word of God, but I want to let you know He changed me. And I'll tell it wherever I go. He changed me. I don't do the things that I used to do. I don't go to places that I used to go. I don't say those ugly little things that I used to say. He changed me. He changed me. I'm so very good. Sheriff Deeds has a presentation to make, and he will grace us with that now.
So I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight, all the leaders of the community and all the citizens. But tonight the first award is for the Vision for Missions Award. And this is for Dr. Mark Forrest and Lakeside Baptist Church. Don't forget my assistant up here. This will be received by Bob Powell, the director of Mission, Missions of Lakeside Baptist. We honor your love and your heart to serve the people in many capacities, your expressions of Christ is needed in our community. We say thank, thank you for your bold statement of the gospel to the broken and the needy, for your vision to see the nations. Reached and healed. Thank you. The next one tonight will be the Humanitarian Award. And this will be presented to Reverend J. Neal Norman from the First United Methodist Church. Christ-like heart to our community, your compassions, to feed the poor in many areas, to reach children, neighborhoods, and beyond with the, with the demonstrated love of Jesus. Thank you. Tonight's Unity Award goes to Reverend Marie Harden and Brazos Covenant Ministries. Marie has served the Granbury area for over 30 years. During that time, Marie has shown courage and leadership far above her contemporaries in the face of stereotypes often associated with women pastors. Marie has been unafraid to take on any challenge that may, many would not deal with. She has been an example and inspiration beyond, behind this Black History program, and her leadership is evident throughout the region. Marie is supported by her husband, Eddie, whose example of godly manhood empowers his wife to live up to the fullness of the measure of Christ in her. Marie and Eddie live in Granbury and have two children and five grandchildren. Congratulations. My, my last award is the Faithfulness Award. And it goes to Reverend Rob Ricks, Ricksicker. Hope I didn't. As you prepare to follow your calling to Christ to another state, we wish to honor and thank you for your faithfulness to demonstrate Christ and your faithfulness to, to the integrity of his word, your love for children and for the foundation of the world and lives have been planted in your hearts and our community, we thank you. Yeah. Thanks for my help.
such a list of uh, accomplishments. Um, for one, I know that he is connected to a, a television show that is uh, very popular where I work, and um, that you may know as American Idol. So, but he is here tonight to grace us with um, his wonderful talent. Oh, yes, Lord. 
Biblical Way Church down the road. I'm the, the newcomer to Granberry. I've been here a couple of years. And, uh, God's got a lot of gifts in the body of Christ, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he didn't give a singing gift to me. <laughs> so I won't be singing. Everybody say amen. Yeah. <laughs> Koji. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Church of God in Christ. This lady over here, she was preaching. Uh, she <laughs> mentioned that. And that was one of the first. Boy, I tell you, if you hadn't been in a church of God in Christ service, you hadn't been in a service. My wife and I, my wife is sitting there on the second row, and we're probably two of the most colorless individuals there are. Uh, you know, I don't know why they call us white. We're not white. No, anyway, not a white boy in there. But we were asked to go, we were just starting our ministry life, and we were asked to go to this service with the, a pastor that we were helping with youth. And we were the only two white couples there. And it was okay. Man, they loved us. I went to the pastor's office, and he started calling me Dr. Tubbs. <laughs> well, I'm the furthest thing from a doctor there. <laughs> he was very generous, let's put it that way. And uh, he asked me if I would do the invocation. I'm not real good with all the terms, but he said, would you pray? And I said, well, sure. I asked the pastor I was with, and he said, okay. And so after about an hour and a half of singing, and uh, see, I'm, you know, they don't do that in the churches that I was in. I mean, it was, you know, three songs, and, and you were pretty much done, and, but uh, not there. Oh, man, they, you thought it was done. And then somebody got up, up here on, you know, up back, and they started, and it just started going again, and you'd think it was done. Uh-uh. No, and so later he, Dr. Tubbs, Dr. Tubbs, would you come up and give us a prayer? And I'm, I'm telling you, the spirit of something came on me. And I got up there and I prayed like I'd never prayed before and never prayed again. But I enjoyed it so much because the people were so alive. And, and everybody knows that in some white churches, it's just not much life. And we're trying to change that. But, you know, it's just, anyway, I don't know why I got off on that. I'm supposed to be taking up tithe, or offering or something, you know. That's tithe. Yeah. Uh, giving. I ought to get to my scriptures. I was just supposed to give awards out tonight. And then Mr. Uh, Brother Barry asked me to take up the, or talk about giving. He did tell me to take as much time as I needed, but I'll try to not be a preacher when I, in my time taking um, my dad was born in Mark Tree, Arkansas. It's about as big as it sounds. Um, on the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know if anybody knows what that means, but that's where he was born. He was born into obscurity, and uh, he was born where uh, there was, uh, well, it was Arkansas. What else, what else do I need to say? <laughs> North, North Arkansas. And, uh, and he was born very, very poor, and, uh, but he never knew he was poor. And he never knew what black was. Because he was raised up with black people. He never, he just didn't know any difference. He said, man, I love my dad. He's still that way today. I mean, he just loves everybody. And uh, he had a great grandmother that raised him. And then my mother, 
Was anybody remember Central High School, Little Rock, Arkansas? Oh, yeah. First place, one of the first places to be integrated, or you know, with the, where black people were allowed to go. And she was friends with one of the first black girls that came to school there. And so I was raised like they were. Not I don't know. I don't ever remember looking at somebody and calling them something because of the color of their skin. How stupid is that? And, uh, you know, it's amazing that people still use God and the name of the Lord as basis for their prejudice. That's stupid. Everybody say stupid. Man, that's dumb. That's just stupid. I want to read a couple of scriptures and then we'll find out how stupid it is. I love the Word of God because the Word of God shows you how stupid some things are. There, there's not one little bit of prejudice or racism in God. But, you know, there's just not. In Romans 2 and 8, it says this, those who are self-seeking and self-willed and disobedient to the truth but responsive, but responsive to weakness, there will be indignation and wrath. And there will be tribulation, anguish, and calamity, and constraint for every soul of man who habitually does evil. That doesn't sound real happy, does it? <laughs> the Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 10 says, But glory and honor and heart peace, this is amplified, shall be awarded to everyone who habitually does good. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. I'm saying this for a reason. I've got a few scriptures, but I'm going somewhere. Verse 11 says, For God shows no partiality, undue favor or unfairness with him. One man is not different from another. That's good, isn't it? Ephesians 6, 8 says, Knowing that for whatever good anyone does, he'll receive his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. You masters act on the same principle toward them and give up threatening and using violent and abusive words, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no respect of persons, no partiality with them. Man, I love you guys. I don't, I don't get this much amen in my church. <laughs> A little weirdness every now and then, but not the good amens. Let's go. Praise God. And James, oh, second, first Timothy 5 says, I solemnly charge you. Now, notice he said, no partiality in Romans. He said, no partiality. In Ephesians, first Timothy 5, 21 says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and of the chosen angels that you guard and keep these rules without personal prejudice or favor. Doing nothing from partiality. James 3.17, it says, um, uh, but the wisdom from above is first, first of all pure, it's peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to that. Where in the heck does racism fit in and that? Nobody, nobody gets it. I mean, that, it doesn't fit. But he goes on to say, it shows, no, it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Plant seeds of peace. Keep that in mind. First Peter 1.17. I like the word because if you don't have word for it, it's not right. So they like that. I don't know about the rest of them. Somebody better start saying, well, all right, amen. Hey, Man, I like that. You're blessed. First Peter 1 Peter 1.17 says, If you call upon him as your father who judges each one impartially according to what he does, 
and you should conduct yourself through reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on earth, whether long or short. You must know or recognize that you were redeemed, ransomed from that useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers. They must have seen some of this mess back then, too. Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificed lamb without blemish or spot. That's good, huh? Those last two scriptures, uh, you better get just as happy when I start talking about giving money. All the white people went. I'm just playing. I'm just, just going to look at my notes now. In James, he talks about planting seeds. In Peter, it says what we do. I'm going to tell you, we're all called to do. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just look at yourself in the mirror, forget what kind of man you are. Look at yourself in the perfect law of liberty, which is the Bible, and do something with it. The first lady, Shannon, talked about it, but everybody having a gift. Everybody's got a perfect and unique gift. God set aside for you. Before the foundations of the earth, he knew who you were and what you'd do and the best you'd be at. Don't try to get somebody else's gift. Hey, if you can't sing, don't try to sing. You're just going to frustrate everybody. All right, I gotta finish this. I don't know how long I've gone, but praise God. So we're all called to do, James says. But you know, we're, we're called to plant seed. I don't just, I, I don't just think about tithes and offerings. You know, money in the church, it's got a bad rap by some. But the fact is, it takes money to do stuff, doesn't it? Jesus said, go ye. Well, it takes money to go ye. You ever tried to go ye without any do-re-me? No, it doesn't work. You got to have, and so tonight, I was talking to my wife, and my wife is so wonderful, and she she was like, now, Barry, just be easy. Don't, you know, and she, but once I get up here, she can't tell me what to do. And so, <laughs> we're called to give. I believe one of the greatest expressions of love is giving. Jesus, or the, the, Jesus said in, in uh, John, for God's so love that he gave, right? Amen. We're going to find out how much you love tonight. Okay. Got quiet. <laughs> Y'all help me now. <laughs> Genesis 8.22 says this. For as long as the earth remains, and we're still here, right? Okay. We still remain. It says seed, time, and harvest. Right. We're talking about unity tonight. We're talking about people getting together. And there's so much more division in the body of Christ than just black and white. Denominationally and all the rest of it. Man, we got to get together. We got to love each other. And, and, and come together on common purpose. Now, we're all going to, people will split hairs over things and get sideways on certain things. But don't make the differences the big deal. We believe in Jesus Christ, Messiah, Him crucified, coming again. That's a good start, right? All right. Genesis 8.22 says, long, long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Isaiah 1.19 says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You can get willing and obedient real quick. Just say, I do. 
Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shake together, running over, so shall men give back unto your bosom. Yeah. Or give back to you. I want to tell you tonight, as you determine in your heart what to give, don't, and the word says don't give, or look, don't give out of necessity. Okay. Don't give because somebody pushed you into it. Don't, don't do that. We're told not to in the word, but give as your heart tells you. And you know what? Here's the truth of it. If everybody in here did what their heart told them to do concerning this, there wouldn't be any lack. The reason there's lack in the body of Christ is because people won't do what their heart tells them to do. And I want to tell you that we're not just simply giving towards a budget. I, I've enjoyed it tonight. I didn't know if I was. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to go on. But, man, this lady's singing over here. And, and then the guy, I've never even heard of this guy, George Huff. I don't watch American Idol. I, don't, I just don't like it. But I'm telling you, the guy can sing. He can do something. And he, and he comes from an eating and singing family. I'm going to use that while I'm at church. I come from an eating. I can't smile like he does, though. I just don't have the teeth. I come from an eating and singing family. I like that, man. But he can sing. Praise God. But I've really enjoyed tonight. And if you've enjoyed tonight, here's what you're doing. When you pull out your pocketbook, or and I don't know how they're going to do everything, but what? Passing baskets? Sure, they have all that arranged. Uh, but when you when you de determine what you're going to give towards this, don't see it as just giving towards a budget. Don't see it just as well. I'm plopping something in the bucket. Don't do that. But determine in your heart that you're planting a seed for kingdom unity. Not not just not just the unity of tonight in Greenberry. Let's think beyond that. Come on. I mean, let's think about when we plant this seed. Now, Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and All a seed knows to do is grow. And so if you plant a seed of faith in this event, this is people coming together. This is, this is diversity, man. This is awesome. You do that, and it'll reap an abundant harvest, not only in your life, but it'll be a multiplied seed sown in this community. Amen. Yes. So people. 
worth it? Praise the Lord. I would be remiss if I didn't start off by saying how thankful to God I am for Cosette, my wife of 26 years. She's here with me tonight, Cosette. Praise the Lord. I thank God for you. I'm going to get right into it. You know what? Um, I went to the doctor yesterday, and I said, uh, Doctor, I need you to fix me up. i got to speak tomorrow night. And he sounded like he was McCoy from Star Trek. He said, man, I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. <laughs> but if you all pray, how many of you are going to pray me through tonight? And hope that my voice holds up, because I think the Lord has something. And if not, then it's just time for me to be quiet anyway. How many of you are enjoying yourself so far? I promise you this will be a blessing to you. This will be a blessing to you. And, and here's the way I operate. For those of you who don't know me, I go through the rules. And that is, if you help me to preach, then I get done quick. I know you got it, and I get through, and you all can go home and get some chicken wings and stuff, okay? But if I don't hear anything, then I think you don't get it, and i got to go deeper. All right? Harvey's heard me preach before. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, somebody say one, one. just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. We're going to get through this real quick. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Father, I thank you for your word today, and I submit now this vessel to you. What breath I have is yours. The atmosphere is already prepared for you. Now we're ready to receive your word. Give your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about 10 years after uh, Rosa Parks was arrested. And roughly two years after Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous uh, I Have a Dream speech, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibiting segregation had just come into law. But as many of you would expect, you know, just because a law was passed doesn't mean things change right away, especially laws on a national level. And so it was in that era that I grew up. And for most of that time, we lived in a 16-story project building in New York City, South Bronx. And uh, for us as kids, there was nothing much different between our family and the other families around us. We played with the other kids. We laughed. We did the things that kids do. We had our challenges. And, and we were just like anybody else. And Dad worked, and Mom went to school on the weekends. I remember Dad used to take us to the beach. We used to go to a beach called Jones Beach in New York, and we had a great time out there. And that was my family, and it was good. Somebody say it was good. Yes. Praise the Lord. Is that Jones Beach? Yes. Somebody got a copy of my sermon before I did. <laughs> and I remember, where's Kenny at? He's somewhere around here. I saw him. My, my brother Kenny, I remember when he was born, and uh, we moved from a two-bedroom um, apartment in that project building to a three-bedroom apartment in the same building, and still things were good. Somebody say things were good. 
And mom used to take us right in front of that project building. We used to catch the number 34 bus. Now, I'm not preaching from the book of numbers, but there's going to be a lot of numbers here. We used to catch the number 34 bus on 163rd Street to go down to 3rd Avenue. All right? And from 3rd Avenue, we would walk to a store called Alexander's where, you know, it was the, the community store. Are you all familiar with Alexander's? Okay, well, they didn't have them out this far. Kevin, you know about Alexander's? That's maybe before your time. And still, uh, things were good. Somebody said things were good. Now, I don't know what the policies were on the New York City bus system at that time, but I do remember that we used to take this bus kind of regularly, and then on one particular day, we got to get on this bus like we normally do on the number 34 bus on 163rd Street going down to 3rd Avenue. And Mom put the change. You know, you had these little, these little things, little podiums in front of the bus driver where you put your coins in, and the driver can see the change, and... And if it was good, he pressed the button and dropped down and counted it for the next person. So mom put her money in this particular day, and the bus driver said something to her. And it caught mom's attention. Now, you would think, I, I couldn't have been more, I'll, I'll tell you, I couldn't have been more than about, I don't know, five or six years old. But I remember this day. There's some things that happen in your life, even when you're young, you remember these days. Because up to that point, life was good. And so mom looked at the bus driver, and she said, What'd you say? And I'll never forget. I'll never forget the words that came out the bus driver's mouth after that. Right there, the bus driver looked at my mother and he said, back of the bus. And my mother was kind of in shock. And she said, but I'm white. And the bus driver said, but your kids are black. Back of the bus. And I remember that that day things kind of changed because it was a, there was an awakening. See, I, I learned something that day. I learned that, 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 that my family had black and white people in it. Up to that day, that was something I didn't know. Now, now, now you know, I'm not here to, to, to harp on that. I'm, you know, God's been so good to me over the years. And, and uh, you know, I can testify of many things and uh, things of that nature, as I'm sure many of you can here today. But God's been good to me over the next 40 years. He, he's been better to me than those memories. And he's, he's caused me to do things in life to have accomplishments that, that most people can only dream about. Now, in case you've missed it, that was a plug for my book out there <laughs> afterwards. Okay. Amen. We're going to get done with this real quick. Thank you. Several years ago, when I was asked to help with the black history program here in Granbury, I, I really wasn't feeling it. And, and I, I didn't relate. I mean, you know, I covertly attended occasional black history programs over my life, but, you know, that just wasn't something that, that, that I related to over the years. And so I never put one together. And so you know, I, I really, I, it, you know, the idea of doing the black history, it really didn't grab me at first. You see, one of the ways I learned to cope over the years, one of the ways I dealt, like getting on the number 30 bus on the 163rd Street going down 3rd Avenue, was just not to talk about it. Are you following me? That was my coping mechanism. You see, uh, uh, I found that if I didn't bring it up, you know, things would go better for me. And so I, I didn't like to bring the black and white issue up in any of the circles I was in. As long as I never talked about it, you know, 
you know, people might have saw me as being different, but it didn't come to their attention. And, and so I can, you know, I can go about my normal business. You know, maybe they won't bring it up if I don't bring it up. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And so early on, I realized that there's some things that, about who I am that I just can't draw attention to. Because it didn't go well for me when I, whenever I did. Now, I don't claim to know about every black person's struggle here. I know about my struggle. And, and, and my struggle, I'm going to tell you something about my struggle. I, I sometimes got it from both sides. I, somebody don't want me going there tonight. I remember that I, when I was little, when I was, I wasn't little, I was a teenager somewhere on there. I was playing the drums for Jimmy Dockett's Love Unlimited Orchestra, and, and, and we had moved for about that time from the project building to a, a house right down the street. And my, I had up on the third floor, I had this huge bedroom, and Kenny had a closet. <laughs> but I had this huge bedroom. And, and so, you know, I had drums there, and, and I really didn't have transportation at that time, so it just worked out. So we rehearsed off in, at my house. And so, uh, you know, we'd be getting along fine with all the musicians, and, 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 you know, we'd be hanging out and doing all that. But, but I learned early on that when, when we rehearsed in my house, I used to try to, you know, get them in the front door and then rush them upstairs before they got to see my family. Because if some of them saw my mother, they wouldn't come back. I remember one time a musician who I had been working with in the studio, and I don't even remember the guy's name, he knocked on the door, and I, I was rushing down the stairs to get to the door, and Mom got there first. And she opened the door and let him in, and the guy comes in the front door, and he looked at Mom, and he looked at me, and he looked at Mom, and he looked at me, and he left. Are you feeling me? And so... And so I got it from both sides. I remember uh, working on at Lockheed. Before I was an engineer, I, I worked. I was an inspector on the assembly line where we built the world's first uh, F-117 aircraft, the first, first one of these things ever to roll out the door. And, and, and I'd become good friends with a man there, and, and, and I won't mention his name, but my wife will know who I'm talking about. And we became good friends over the course of about six months. And, and, and I don't know if you can picture, but one day we're sitting on top of this F-117 airplane and, and we're working. And, and in this place, it's huge, man. I mean, there's like six airplanes in here. If you can hear the, the, the noise and the, the rumble of airplanes being manufactured all over the place, you know, rivets pounding, you know, just, just noise. The noise level is just up there. And just to hear each other, you had to yell because if, you, if you're two feet away, you can't hear. You have to yell. And so I, this, could have been, this could have been a movie. I mean, this, this was so funny. I think it was funny. Now I think it was funny. I'm sitting there with my friend on top of this airplane, and we're working, and suddenly he remembered that he had seen my mother the day before come and pick me up at the gate. And so while we're working, he stopped me, and he says, Barry, your mother's white. And right there, whew, you can hear a pin drop in that facility. And I looked around, I saw every head stop and turn and look to me to see what I was going to say next. And so I just looked at him and I said, I thought you knew that. 
And all of a sudden you hear the noise level come back up. Now, that's the way I remember it. And so I reasoned that early on, you know, though I assimilated into the black culture, um, there were times I got it from both sides. I reasoned that it was best to avoid the subject. And so as long as I avoided the subject altogether, they would stay like they were when we were kids on 163rd Street in the McKinley Projects. In that place where we were all together, it was impossible to see black and white. It was just mom and dad, brother and sister. That's it. But on the outside, things were different. And I shared that with you for a reason, because I wanted you to understand where my mind was when I was asked to be part of the black history program here in Granbury. Are you feeling me? I guess we're going to go a little longer now. There was more than a little hesitation. There was a, still a part of me that reasoned that, that it's better to just be quiet about the subject and, and not say anything. After all, I had my ministry that didn't really pertain to me. Are you feeling me? You know, I was relatively new to the area, and things were good. And, and I was an accomplished author, a preacher. I served on many boards, and at the time, president of Ministerial Alliance. And, 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 and there was this overwhelming sense of acceptance, you know, you guys welcomed me in here. We felt love, and I didn't want to rock the boat. Are you feeling me? I've seen in the past how when people take on causes like this, how, how perception changes and, and how, you know, murmurs start. You know, troublemaker. Are you feeling me? You know, folks sometimes labeled you a troublemaker you know, just for being who you are. I remember uh, um, in elementary school, my sister and I shared the same teacher, and at one time um, my parents got a little upset because this teacher had put something in her record, and, and what it said was um, a child is, a, is, is emotionally disturbed because child has interracial parents. And I remember my parents had to go to court to get that removed. You see, this teacher didn't know my sister from... Nothing. But she just assumed, based on my sister's skin, that this was going to be a problem child. Are you with me? And so I didn't want to pick up that cross when I was asked to be part of the black history program here. I was a little hesitant. And so when asked to to be part of this program, all that junk that I had down deep started, started fizzing. You know what I'm talking about? And so right there at that crossroad, the Lord began to minister to me. And, and here's what the Lord said. He said, it's what I created you to be. Now here's something I learned about the Lord and, and the way he talks. He don't say a whole lot when he talks to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But when he says that thing he says to you, you understand a whole lot. You feel me? And so, and so I understood right at that moment that if I said no, I would be denying who I am to God. 
I'd be denying who I am to my wife. I'd be denying who I am to my children and to my community. It would have been a rejection of my responsibilities to say no. And so the first year I did the program, I, I did it kind of on the QT. <laughs> I, I didn't tell nobody about it. We just did it. Right, Sister Mary? Well, yeah, we just did it. If word got out, word got out. But I wasn't spreading the news. <laughs> Hello? But something happened, you all, while we began to do these programs. Lives started to change. Talked to a man just last week that still tells me, he said, if it had not been for the black history program last year, my life would be different. My life has been transformed. I'm now at the place I need to be. You all changed my life. We read from Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy. Somebody say walk worthy. Of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, uh, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what Paul is basically saying here? Let me tell you, let me put it in modern vernacular, what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I'm the one stuck in this prison for doing real ministry while you guys are out there calling yourself Christians and acting like you're not. Christ is not divided. Hello? And then, somebody say, and then. Paul goes into talking about ministry gifts. This uh, passage of Scripture very closely parallels 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to rush it along because you all being good. <laughs> but now, indeed, there are many members. Somebody say, many members. Yeah. Say, one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And the, and the scripture continues on in this way, and it goes right into the ministry gifts, just like in Ephesians. You know, we tend to focus on the gifts from this passage of scripture, from these passages of scripture. Everybody wants gifts. But we often miss what Paul is lining up here. He's saying there's a way to get the gifts. It's called unity. Are you with me? Listen, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I like this group right over here. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord. Somebody say, one accord. One accord. In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Listen, they were acting like one body. And when they were doing that, when they were all together with one accord, somebody say, suddenly. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure could use a suddenly right about now. How many of you can use a suddenly right now? Amen? And so the Bible tells us how we get the suddenly. Church, we, we got to get this. We, we got to get this down in our spirit. We got to get this down on the inside. Ephesians says, suffer with one another. That's a word we don't like. Put up with one another. That's something we don't want to do. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
things that, that, that we feel indifference about each other towards, those things really don't matter, you all. They don't matter. Corinthians says there are many members, one body, that, that we can't make it alone. We, we need one another. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you, I don't need you? Huh? God has created us, each one uniquely, and that's okay. That's God. But, but we like to find reasons to separate from each other, and that's not God. That's perversion. You stay with this music, I'll stay with that music. You know what, man? You can have these first four chapters of this book of the Bible. I'll take the next four, and we'll just do our church like this, and you do your church like that. And, you know, hey, you know, if, if your church ain't doing good, that's fine, because we got ours. Y'all don't hear me. Somebody give me a Bible. I've got to go deeper. Listen. Beloved, when we do that, when the cross of Christ becomes the reason we divide, when we become indifferent towards one another, when we seek to satisfy our own inhibitions and neglect helping others reach theirs. Jesus, when, 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 when he had given thanks, he, he took the whole loaf. The, the, the integral loaf, y'all ain't listen to me, the loaf was not broken, it was not divided, and Jesus took that loaf, and he began to dismember that loaf, and he began to give it to us, if he did not dismember the loaf, we would never get it, and then he said this, when you come together, you're bringing the bread of life back into wholeness. That's what we're doing when we take communion. Hello? That's, that's why Paul says, you know what? That failing to discern the Lord's body, that's so serious. You know, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I go to this church. I go to that church. I'm this. I'm, you, are you with me? God wants us to remember him. Man, I thought I had ministry going on. I thought I had it going on. I thought I, thought I was walking worthy. Um, I was talking to a group of elder ministers the other day. Y'all pray for my voice. Or maybe you don't if you want to go home. <laughs> <clears throat> and suddenly it hit my spirit to say to them, you know, when I grow up, it just hit my spirit. I said to them, I said, when I grow up, I want to be just like Jesus. And I saw their faces. Brother Glenn was there. And right away I saw the peace come on every man's face. And in turn, it's like the spirit swept through there. And everybody said, me too. Me too. And then it got, it got to the last one. He said, so you want to go to the cross too? <laughs> Jesus taught us that there are some things that are worth giving your all for. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're worth giving my all for. Listen, yes, yes. There's a price to pay for being like Jesus. They walked away from Jesus when his word got too deep. He wasn't saying anymore what they wanted him to say. And that's not all they did to him. 
But for the joy that was set before him, he endured it, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Y'all ought to be getting happy right there. You see, yes, there's a price to pay, but that's not the end of the story. God says, if you pay the price, I've got something better for you. It's what I created you to be. Turn to somebody and said, it's what God created you to be. Turn to somebody else and say, walk worthy. I'm, I'm getting ready to close. So the Lord brought gentle rebuke to me. He, he rebuked me very gently, and, and I love him for that. And he began to show me that, that there was some controversy within and controversy without. And that, and that, that part of what he created to be, for me to be, that part of me that I didn't want to deal with head on, you see, that thing was hindering me from, from coming into the fullness of what God has called me to be. You know, the joy that was set before me, there was some joy I was not experiencing because I was refusing. And so I embraced, embraced the process, and I began promoting black history programs. And some of you began getting my emails, and, 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 and you, what's this black history thing? Did it change the way people viewed me? Some, some. But there was another level of reverence. There, there was another level of, somebody say, integrity. Most of all, there was an outward embracing of what God said I'm to be. Let me try to clear this up. I watch each year as, as healing comes to, the, to both the people that come to these services and, and the community as a result. You know, the scripture says when Christ sets you free, you're what? Can we say it this way? When Christ sets you free, you can be yourself. Did that clear it up a little? Now, I don't mean act a fool, but you can be what God created you to be. There's too many Christians afraid to let the world know who they are. Imagine the whole body of Christ walking worthy. Imagine if we took the time to find out what God created each other to be? What if we took the time to go out of our way and make sure that each of us were comfortable in our own skin? Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled. Somebody say reconciled reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciled is from the Greek word uh, katalaso. It means to, to change mutually, to compound. Listen, listen, listen. If we're in him, then, then God is working over us and our old identity is gone. Are you with me? That, that white, that black, and that, that all things, hello, is gone. Because we are new. We take on a new identity in Christ. 
And as we identify with him, there's no more Jew, there's no more Greek, there's no black, no white, there's no male, there's no female. Just like that little old apartment on 163rd Street. Turn to somebody and say, just be yourself. Now turn to somebody else and say, help the rest of the body be themselves. Tonight, let's, let's put on Christ together tonight. You know, our biggest hindrance is fear. There are folks afraid that they're going to get hurt again. I'm talking about folks on both sides of the aisle. I'm talking about folks afraid that if we come together to celebrate black history, that we're, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to disturb something that needs to be left alone. And what they're really saying is that they're afraid that maybe some shame will be exposed. But let me tell you something. I don't care about that bus driver on 163rd Street, the number four bus going down 3rd Avenue, because I got Jesus. I just care that I'm free today in Christ. Can anybody relate to that? And I'm free because Christ forgives me. Somebody say, Christ forgives me. And he gives me the ability to forgive myself. Y'all with me? Hey, if God's heart is about reconciliation, what, what business have we got being unreconciled? Are you with me? I've asked Pastor Kevin to minister in song, and as he does that, I want to ask you to do this. Will you bear with me just a few moments? Pastor, I hope I have liberty. I'm going to ask you all to stand all over the place. And you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you to join hands and, and just look at somebody next to you and pray for one another. And what I want you to do is say, you know what? I want you to forgive me as I forgive. And, and when you do that, when you're saying that, what I want you to do is picture somebody that you haven't forgiven. Are you with me? Just begin praying for forgiveness for one another. Can you do that for me right now? I didn't mean to get all ecclesiastical on you. But let's, let's, let's move into this. Let's follow the Spirit moving this time. Forgiveness. Father, I want a heart
like, just like you did. I want to walk like you talk like, just like you did. I want to love them anyway. Father, no matter what they did, no matter what they say, Lord. Because the heart that forgives is the heart that will live totally free from the pain of the past and the heart that lets go is the heart that will know so much freedom but today the question is do you want to be free Father, I want to be free from what happened to me. I don't want to hold it no more. I thought I was hurting them, but I was only keeping myself in bondage. Would you help me let it go, Lord? Father, what mama did. Father, would you help me let it go? I know you got so much for me, so much I know you want to do in my life. Father, tonight, would you give us a heart that be seated for a moment. I've been asked to pray for our pastors and uh, to give us some things to think about. I just want to share a couple of brief scriptures. In John 16, 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring glory to me. So, isn't that what we ought to be joining him to do? To give glory to Jesus. Then, in his great prayer, in John 17, verses 20 through 23, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about the twelve. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know 
that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus felt like that, that unity that we've heard about over and over this evening was important enough that he asked the Father three times in three verses to bring us together. And then as our pastors consider our calling, Peter says in 1 Peter, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, would you come and just stand here at the front? And we're going to have a special time of prayer thinking specifically about these verses. Father, as we come before you, we are so grateful for all that you've done to bless us this evening. And at this time, we especially lift up these ministry leaders, pastors, under-shepherds, men and women who seek to join your Holy Spirit in bringing glory to Jesus Christ, our Lord. May we lift him up. May we exalt his holy name, not just in a service like this, but every day, in every situation, every relationship, that the people around us will know that we are men and women of God. And Father, as you've called us in this prayer to unity, may our hearts be one. May we realize that although we come from different persuasions of doing things different ways, that we do have that common denominator of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so unite our hearts to give the world the witness that you sent Jesus to be the Savior. And Father, may we be good shepherds of the flock that you've entrusted to our care. That we would be good examples of what it means to be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ the Lord. And may we serve with joy, expecting one day to hear you say, Well done my good and faithful servant. 
Now enter the joy and the happiness of your master. Bless these men and women who serve. That Jesus will be exalted in every way. And we praise you for it in his precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you. May his love uphold you. May you never fall so far that he can't reach you. Father, we're thankful this evening for the privilege that we've had to be together. Grateful, Lord, that you have been exalted house. Father, when I think about the music, and I think about the words, and I think about the things that were said, you were lifted up. And you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So Father, we pray for this community, that as you're lifted in this community, men and women who are lost would find their way to you. Help us, Lord, to be the legs and the arms and the hands and the feet and the heart that reaches out to those around us who may not know you. Be with us till we meet again. 